what does it mean to be actually human? Because I think I went from, you know, serving the richest people in the world to serving the poorest people in the world um, that had quote unquote nothing. And yet Mm. they had everything. And so two questions came out of that. One was, well, what does it mean to be human? You know, what is humanity actually about? And secondly, where do I fit in in that whole spectrum? Welcome, Sabine. I am very excited and honored to chat with you today. And I'm excited to see you. How are you today? And what's going on in your life this morning? Well, <laughs> wow, that's a big question. No, first, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I love I love what you do. And, it, and I hope that through this conversation, whoever is hearing this will get value out of it. I'm sure they will. So thank you for having me. It's such a privilege to share the space with you. Um, wow, how's life? Well, you know, it's um, it's going, it's going. I think I think I tried to um, uh, to not um, uh, get stressed about the future, and it's really about the now. You know, what is it? What does it mean to be grounded in the now? Um, so yeah, being very intentional about cultivating that that energy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it is a big question, isn't it? Because partly because of the current realities that we live in, I think. So when I, when Mm -hmm. when I ask myself or people, how are you? It's uh, it's kind of like, don't ask that question, please. Like (laughs) pass over, pass over. Uh, Cause it it is not the easiest answer to the question to answer these days, but I like how you, already picked on on uh, perhaps approaching this season with perspective and not getting lost in the future or in the past, but also considering the now. We either live in the past or the future, and it's very difficult to inhabit the present moment. So I love that, the fact that you mentioned that. You're a coach, and I have a natural love for coaches uh, all over the world. When I meet them, I, I love chatting with them and listening to their perspective. Because of the purpose of their work, they have such a wide range of perspective uh, and help us embrace the human condition of what it means mm-hmm. to be broken and whole at the same time and explore possibilities. So I'm very glad to to spend this coming um however long we spent together. Uh, but I'd like to kick off the conversation by asking you to share a bit about yourself, your background uh, and your work. Walk mm. us through a little bit of that, uh, however long or short you want to share. But who is Subin? Where do you come from? Uh, and what is the work that you do currently? Mm. Well, first, I, I, I just want to say how beautifully you've articulated the profession of coaching. Um, you know, it is about having that huge range and looking things at different perspectives. It is about embracing the shadows as well as the light. And we all have that inside of us. So, no, I, I found it really beautiful the way you've uh, articulated that. So thank you. Um, a bit about me. So I am a third culture kid. I was born in China. And as a toddler, I've moved to France uh, in Paris uh, with my parents. Uh, my parents' entrepreneurial spirit took them to Spain um, during my um, 
from my 10 to 15 years, so my teenage years. Uh, there I attended an international school, went back to France for high school and, and, and uh, did a business degree. Um, and I've always wanted to reconnect with my roots. And so naturally, um, I chose to take a, a one-way ticket to Shanghai in China back in 2009. So I've worked and lived across different countries, different cultures, um, different industries uh, of which the luxury retail. Uh, and my international background and upbringing has given me the ability to navigate complexity, uh, mm -hmm. adapting and bridging the East and the West, um, and as well as the ability to speak four languages. So French, English, Mandarin, and Spanish, which can be extremely helpful when traveling, you know, or working with clients uh, across the globe. Um, I guess that's, well, that's a brief introduction, but the, but the crunchy and interesting part is, is what's, what has happened next. Um, so I think the, the corporate world, which I, which I was um, accustomed to, you know, was synonym of financial comfort, stability, fitting in. Um, but the, the one question that kept me awake at night was, is that all there is to life? You know, an education, a, a good job, um, good money, a good life. And yet I felt that um, emptiness, that void inside of me that I couldn't really fill with anything coming from the outside. And so all that led me to um, go on a soul searching journey to really reinvent myself, um, going through the process of, of unlearning um, and relearning, pivoting, um, transitioning, you know, all these, just a lot of movements. Um, to, to, to address that question of, well, what is, is that all there is to life? And what is my life purpose? You know, why am I here on this earth? So having that existential questioning has led me to um, become the coach that I am today. I love the richness that your background, uh, especially your family background presents. When people talk to you, I think you have a an ability to think uh, multidimensionally, and I that's a gift. Uh, you mentioned third culture kids. For listeners who don't know what that is, could you help us uh, unpack that? What does it mean? Yeah, um, third culture kids are basically, um, um, you know, people that grow up in a culture that, that is different from the parents' culture. So, for example, my parents migrated from China to France in the early 80s. And obviously at home, you know, I was submerged in a Chinese culture. But of course, at school, I was um, surrounded by the French culture and French education. Um, and so, yeah, so that's in a nutshell what that means. And actually today, I mean, if you look at the world, how, um, how it is becoming more and more globalized, um, I think there'll be more and more people, you know, that would relate to that concept of third culture kids. Um, kids are actually today, you know, super, um, I mean, trilingual, it's a, it's a, it's a basic, you know, it's, it's, and, and you see the, the expat community, um, especially in Asia where I'm working now currently, um, you know, the, the parents, for example, the couple being French, they, they live in Singapore, um, the kid go to a Japanese school. And so, you know, it's, it's like, and they have like a helper or nanny that speaks to them in Mandarin at home, you know? So it's, it's, how do you, um, and, and of course that raises the question of, well, where do I belong? Right. If, if it's not to a culture, um, 
uh, or a system, then then where is home? And so one thing to to spot a third culture kid is that question of where is home? And this is a question that is very hard to answer for third culture kids. So that's mm. that's a tip to help you identify identify them. Yes, thanks. That's that's very clear. That I think you're right in mentioning how globalization makes it easy for us to relate uh, or at least mm-hmm. to see parts of ourselves in a, what typical culture kid experience would be like or the, the traditional definition for that uh, because everyone has traveled. Well, not everyone. Most people have traveled or experienced a different culture. Uh, if you haven't done it physically, you have definitely done it virtually. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of cultures have also uh, adapted and changed their own traditional um, culture into a mishmash of different things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right. So let's Good. dive in. I wanted to chat with you because your your life story is beautiful, but I also am very interested in coaching. And mm-hmm. so navigating liminal space looks looks different for different people. And I think I'm very interested to hear some of your perspective and thoughts on how do you navigate those seasons or those experiences well. The theme that I'm working with for season two is second wind. And I think that that's a concept that is foreign to a lot of us, uh, not just intellectually, but as an experiential uh, reality. I was reading the other day about second wind and he's like, a lot of people die without ever experiencing second wind. It's not because they do not have that potential resting inside of them, but it's because they have always given up or stopped on the first leg of the race. And if you are not familiar with second wind, um, you can go back and listen to the introduction of season two, because I'll be unpacking what that is. But I believe that coaching helps us humans, first of all, gain perspective on why it's important to stay on the journey. And secondly, how to do that well. I would love to dive into the conversation by asking you, what is coaching? And what drew you to it? And why have you decided to invest your energy and your life in coaching, especially in this season? Yeah, thank you for that question. I always say that coaching is to be experienced versus explained. Uh, but the, I mean, the short answer is what is coaching is, is I think, um, yeah, you could go on my LinkedIn or my website for my clients' testimonials. I think that would be the best way to reflect um their experience but i can use a the analogy of a bicycle so uh, one of the questions that i get asked a lot is what is the difference between you know coaches psychologists therapists and consultant and mentors for example so a consultant will tell you will give you you know the five steps in how to ride a bike they'll make recommendations and give you advice um, a psychologist or therapist, they will dig into why you cannot ride a bike. What is it? Have you had past trauma, you know, in a childhood that, that is blocking you from having the ability to ride the bike? A mentor, he, will sh- he or she will share with you his experience on how he best rides the bike. Um, and a coach will actually ride the bike with you in the sense that, you know, you'll fall. The coach is there to pick you up. And then 
until you get to a point of of you finding your own way of riding the bike. Um, so that's uh, coaching is really you know a partnership between two people. Um, it's a non-judgmental space that is created, a safe space for you. Um, as a as a as a client to come um, with everything that you are, um, it's the coach believes that the client has everything that he or she needs, and and the coach is really there to be the mirror, you know, to draw out uh, the full potential of the person um, to. Uh, spot the BS. That's very important because you know the the coach really believes that the the the, the coachy has everything that they need to uh, reach their goals, and um, yeah, the coach is there to you know to guide, to challenge, to empower, um, and 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 it is a journey of transformation. So um, yeah, it's a beautiful journey. I always say that I am. It's such a privilege, you know, to be part of of someone's life. And to see them grow, um, to become who they are really meant to meant to be, really. And so um, there's there's a there's a beautiful human connection um, that is created. Mm. And um, and I yeah I coach with the belief you know that that you are the captain of your own life. You have all the answers within yourself to overcome your fears and challenges. And it is truly bringing more um, the self awareness, uh, making conscious choices taking action and to be accountable to your growth. And this is a, you know, that, that cycle that I've just described, it just gets bigger and bigger. And what's beautiful about that is that the human potential is really limitless. You know, when you tap into it um, and, and, and we forget how powerful we are, you know, as humans sometimes. And, and when you're in a coaching session, it's, it's, it really opens up to the, to the realms of possibilities. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only way to, to know what coaching is to, is to experience it. Yeah. I remember you, you mentioned that to me a few months ago and I, I thought, oh yeah, this is absolutely correct. Even though I still find it helpful how you described it in comparing it to things that we already know, because I think mm -hmm. if you have never come in contact with coaching, or if you just have the image of coaching uh, to equal, say, coaching in sports, then you really yes. don't have a full picture of the value of what coaching is and what you could gain from mm -hmm. uh, being part of it. It's really getting on a journey and taking the responsibility that you can take over your life and over the mm -hmm. development and transformation of your life. So I love, yeah. I love uh, the picture that you've you painted because I, I hope that after this conversation, people would be more curious about the value mm -hmm. of what it means to immerse yourself in a coaching experience, because it's not that you do it only because something is wrong. You do it so that you, your life can be better. I've <laughs> had coaching experiences in my life and I feel like that's something I also want to do again, just because it, it reveals the person that you are, that you haven't met yet. I, I love that. I, I think uh, my last experience uh, was two years ago. And I was just, every time I walked away from my session, I thought, I didn't even know that I had those ideas or that I could think mm -hmm. that way. Or 
why did you get into it? So I know that you mentioned a lot of it, you know, of a summary in, uh, in your introduction, but what drew you to coaching? How did you go from a luxury retail business woman to a coach? Well, first I, I had no idea, right. Where I was heading. Once I started this soul searching journey that I was explaining earlier, um, I just knew that there's there's more to life than what I was actually doing. And so um, perhaps I could share a a moment, a significant you know moment in my life where um, it triggered that that thought um, of of um, that could answer the, the your question. Yes. It was a time so when I took off uh, took off time and I went on a soul searching journey, um, I landed in the autonomous region of Kurdistan in north of Iraq that borders Syria. So it's a region of the world that I would never, ever have thought I would go to. And so I had the privilege to serve at one of the Syrian refugee camps set up by the United Nations uh, to teach kids uh, music and sport. I mean, that was a turning point for me in the sense that it really taught me two things. One is, what does it mean to be actually human? Because I think I went from, you know, serving the richest people in the world to serving the poorest people in the world that has, um, that had quote unquote nothing, and yet mm. they had everything. And so two questions came out of that. One was, well, what does it mean to be human? You know, what is humanity actually about? And secondly, where do I fit in in that whole spectrum? And I think whenever you start to ask yourself questions and be curious about your own questions and 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 that's what exploration is right so very similar to coaching you start on this journey of exploration and enjoying the process learning about wow what 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 amazed you you know what uh, surprised you what shocked you um and kind of getting curious to start digging and I always believe that when the student is ready the master shows up and so for me it was I think I was ready you know to 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 receive. And that's when coaching uh, landed on my lap almost. Um, I had no idea what it was, to be honest. A friend of mine suggested it because I, I really wanted to tap into, I believed in, you know, the human potential. I'm always curious about, you know, why we do what we do. And, um, and I was figuring out myself too, right. Of, of what is it, what am I made for? You know, um, what is the purpose of my life? And through coaching, I, yeah, on, on day two of my coaching training uh, with Coactive Training Institute, which is one of the oldest um, and the most rigorous training school in the world, uh, I just knew that I was born to do this, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that I, I coach with is, is helping the person see uh, the way that God sees them, you know, um, with, with all of their imperfections and their strength and in all of the magnificence of, of uh, the intention that God created that person, the whole idea of, you know, the original design. Um, so, so that's, that's how I see it. And, and that's how I see my calling as a coach uh, when I get to journey with people. I love the the line that you said about when the student is ready, the master show yeah. up, shows up. I've never yeah. heard that before. That's really cool. It is true, though. It's kind of like sometimes yeah. what we really need is to be ready. And the things that are outside of our 
immediate control, the things that we cannot make happen. Sometimes they're just aligned together and it comes together if we show up. You seem to have a high emphasis on wanting to cultivate creativity and wanting people to experience freedom. And so I want to spend some time chatting with you about those two, partly because I'm just curious about how you look at it, but partly because I also see how vital they are for moving forward in life, especially in this climate of 2020. Creativity, when we think of creativity, we think, you know, artists, musicians, actors, fashion designers, right? And so... um, what I've come to realize is that every single human being is actually born with the gift to create. So as humans, creativity is our true nature. And so naturally, we're, we're all born with some sort of creativity, you know, that, that, that needs to be unleashed. And for me, I think, you know, I think I've put that in a box growing up. Um, and, and I think recently I've, I've really realized how, um, how, how much I value freedom. You know, as a person, I, I think it's, I've always embraced, you know, transition and change and um, just the, the whole idea of, 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 again, tapping into an unlimited potential. And, and that is done through, through, through creativity. So creativity is freedom in a way. So it is unlimited. It is um, also a reflection of your uni- uniqueness. Imagine, you know, you're given a canvas, you know, no one will ever produce the same piece as you do, right? If someone imagine, you know, and, and I'm not a, an artist, I, ca- I cannot paint, but, you know, if you have a blank canvas, you know, I have like the three colors, red, blue, and yellow. And I just take a blue bucket and just splash on the canvas, right? That is art. Let's say, for example, or, or someone will, you know, will take a take a brush and start to paint and whatever it is, I feel like, you know, when you tap into your unique creativity, um, you, 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 you make your own masterpiece. Um, and so whether you are a musician that will write out the, you know, your musical notes or a CEO of a business designing innovative ways to drive his or her uh, company or leading a team, it's, it's creativity is actually a, an, an experience. You know that is so unique to to who you are, um, and so when you open that up, it, it, it's um, you tap into the essence of of who you are. You know you you are expressing who you are um, in a tangible way, and and it really opens up you know to a new world of of just endless possibilities. My desire whenever I coach is to really bring out that creative force inside of each one of my clients um, that actually needs to be recognized first of all. You know that we have that inside of us. It needs to be nurtured and it needs to be protected. I agree with you on the different emphasis that you've laid on creativity and freedom. And first of all, I also firmly believe that creativity is primarily who we are. We can choose what we do with it. Um, But I think that, of course, in the last maybe 10, 20 years, you hear that just popular culture started to really highlight this reality that creativity isn't just for the artist or for Mm -hmm. the performing um, arts or theater or the things that we traditionally associate to creativity. It's Mm -hmm. that everyone can, is and can express and live creatively. So I, I I love that reminder that you have highlighted. And Mm -hmm. I think also the fact that you mentioned that, all of us are powerful 
Uh, That's something that I, especially depending on who you're talking with, but I find this really interesting um, in the Christian community also that it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, we have a very weird relationship with power. And the moment people start saying that, like, oh, you are powerful as a human, people get a little bit kind of Mm -hmm. edgy and uncomfortable, but it's a reality that if you're creative, you carry enormous power, which means that every single human being's being carries power. And whether they choose to use that power for good or bad is up to them or is up to us. And so I love mm-hmm. that reminder of the power that each one of us carries. And it's not necessarily a physical power, right? Like you're going mm-hmm. and overtaking people, but your decisions... Yeah. Um, and the way you choose to live, communicate something, and that thing is powerful. When you talk about um, creativity, also I wanted to pull it back to liminal space because one of the power of liminal spaces or the experience of liminal spaces is that it clears the way for you to really consider creativity, newness doing things differently, whatever launches you into a liminal space creates an actual potential. Is this space, it's kind of, it's a blank page and what Mm -hmm. uh, are you going to create out of it if you harness the power of that season, right? Or that experience. I, I am curious how you see this either show up in your work or in your personal experience. You have had different transition uh, experiences. How do you Mm -hmm. see cultivating creativity in transition or in any other type of liminal space? Yeah, great question. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is is actually normalizing um, that you are, you have that tension, right? So whenever we are in that um, liminal space, there's that tension, you know, it's, it's about moving away from the familiar and yet we don't know what's ahead, uh, what's in the unknown. So you're in this space, you know, that you called um, uh, the no man's land, you know, that white space where you're like, okay, now what, right? Where do I start? And so our initial reaction as human is the desire to take control. And so the desire to needing to know and and so I think the first step, and as, as from a personal experience, you know, it, it was it was extremely challenging. It, it was excruciatingly painful because, you know, for me it was well, I don't know what's ahead, but I just know that you know within that white space, it is actually a an opportunity, like you said, to create, take responsibility, and create a life that 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 is aligned with who you are. But even before that, it's about normalizing that there is that tension. And the wrestling is 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 absolutely normal um, because you are you are basically um, letting go of things, um, releasing control, you know, of the future of the unknown. So that's that's probably like like a step one. Um, I think secondly is is uh, again that whole idea of exploration, you know, and creativity, like you said, is freedom is is giving yourself permission to just be free and just start you know taking one step at a time it's like um you know they all say like all all um all roads leads to home right and so there's multiple ways to to get to a destination 
Um, and it doesn't matter which road you take, right? It's, it's really about um, taking one step at a time, um, tapping to your intuition. I think what's beautiful with creativity for me, at least, is I, I've been able to harness my, my, the power of intuition um, and, um, yeah, kind of being having the energy of being pulled towards something. Um, it's really, practically, is really setting time uh, for myself. And, um, there's this, there's this thing that I've been practicing and it's based on a book. Um, it's called the creative, um, uh, sorry, the, it's called the artist way. And it talks about how, you know, in 12 weeks you take yourself on a date. So a date with self. And so what happens in that is every week you set aside two hours and you take yourself on a date. And what happens is, is you know, you, you tap into that creativity, you know, that creative self. And um, and so you just get to enjoy the process. And through that enjoying, uh, the enjoyment of that process, um, yeah, you, you get to be free. You get to, um, there's that self-love, self-care, you know, self-acceptance. All these things starts to um, emerge. And when all things, these things start to emerge, I think your, 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 your brain starts to connect things, um, you know, to, 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 um, to your passion, you know, to what you're actually um, good at and, and, and really get to um, get to know yourself, I think, you know, in a different light. Mm. Um, and, and for me, that, that's, that's just a very practical way of tapping into your creativity. Um, and again, it, it, like I said, it's very subjective, you know, what makes my heart sing or what makes me happy and joyful may be very different, you know, to you, Debbie. And so it's, it's, and again, enjoying that process of self-discovery, um, by adding, you know, fun and, and, and giving yourself that freedom to, to, to experience. Mm. I really love uh, how you've highlighted finding rhythms for yourself. And by the way, the artist way is a beautiful book. That's true. And yes. Sabine is also currently, uh, you are, this is your third week of the date with self yes. thing, right? And I saw, <laughs> so I saw it on Instagram and I said I was going to join and I haven't. I really should get on it. Um, but if you're listening, you can totally jump on that, uh, maybe to help to read the book, but I thought it's such an, a bold, um, and needful exercise to do with mm -hmm. oneself or right? like go on a date with yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I love that thought. What it triggers in my mind is to hear a little bit of your thoughts about why it's so difficult for us to actually cultivate creativity it seems to be living creatively in the way you've described is enormously difficult because if mm -hmm. it wasn't a lot more of us would be living this way. And so I think what I've noticed in the last decade or the last five years in work, in my own life, in my journey is that I love to know about these realities, right? For example, I am creative. Everyone else is, you know, or there's, uh, there's freedom and we can tap into that. And so we engage in this mental uh, exercise of knowing things, right? But knowing doesn't translate into action because I think if it does, then culture would be a lot more different. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to hear a little bit about um, how do we go from knowing that these are truths about us, that we are creative to actually cultivating a lifestyle of creativity? Mm, um, great question. 
I I do think that like anything, you know, when we talk about cultivating is actually a daily practice. And um, well, first, I think it's it's even before that it's about it's a belief. Right? Mm. If you don't believe that you're creative, like there's nothing you can do, really. You know, you can go to trainings and seminars and listen to podcasts and read it, read books. It, 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 it will, will not sustain. And so you got to start with the, the, the fundamental, which is, do you believe that you're creative? You know, do you believe that you have that creative force inside of you? And that again, it's, it's, it's a first step and that needs to, yeah, like I remind, I try to remind myself every day, you know, um, it, it's, it's something that, um, yeah, that you need to, to anchor in. So definitely that would be a, a first step. And, and, and secondly, it's, um, it's letting go of the, the should, um, sorry, letting go of how things should look like, you know, how things, um, uh, needs to be structured that way. So it's really letting go or deconstructing of, how something should look a certain way, right? So it's letting go of that, the need for control, um, the need to, to, I guess, control the outcome. So being detached from the outcome. Um, and um, yeah, and, and for me it was, it's, it's really about, and I go back to the idea of creativity is an expression of your uniqueness. So it's really about listening to your inner voice that is so unique to yourself, which means that you got to shut away all the external noises, right? Which helps to avoid, you know, comparison. And so whenever we start to comparing that obviously blocks creativity because again, you know, what I, what I do is never, is not good enough, right? What I, what I produce is, Oh, I could have done it, you know, this better or that better, whatever it is. So it's really being, you know, um, yeah, detached from um, the outcome. Um, it's it's really about shutting away the external noise and really tapping to that inner wisdom um, and and getting to cultivate that right. And so cultivation, like anything else, it's it's a daily discipline. Um, so it's it's like a muscle that needs to be trained. Um, and Anything like, you know, when you go to a gym to train your body, you, you train your mind, you know, and cultivate that creativity. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So belief, which I absolutely love that you mentioned that, like you can't fake creativity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, it's yeah. so obvious. You can't, <laughs> you can't pretend to be creative. And so that whole thought about how it's foundational to believe because when you believe then you you can practice and start to embody that's that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thought so I want to touch on this with you because I know how crucial and important it is to as an individual set your belief straight uh that you have to take action or a decision to say, I'm going to live a certain way. I'm not going to listen to people or the noise. But I, I feel like that it's a tension. And that's why I want to get your thoughts on. Because I think in many ways, when people hear that, maybe sometimes they hear that it's that I have to do everything on my own, right? I need to stand by myself. And because I have all this potential and creativity in me, it means it's kind of a one-person show, And I know Mm -hmm. that community is important. 
Surrounding yourself with people is important. Having meaningful relationships are important. So how do you hold those two intention? Because I totally mm-hmm. agree that you shouldn't let other people's opinions and thoughts influence ultimately how you live your life. But on the other hand, people, there are people that have important and wise opinions and um, experiences that it will do us good when we listen to them. So how do you hold that tension? I suppose is what I'm, I'm, I'm curious about with having that conviction in self that you are powerful, you are creative, you're unique, you can be free and live freely, but at the same time, not isolating yourself and um, running a one-man show type life. Yeah, and it's, I love how you pointed out community is so key. Um, I mean, we as humans, we're made to to be, you know, in, in groups, uh, we're social animals. And so, and maybe to rephrase what I was trying to say is holding that tension. Yeah, it's, it's um, for lack of a better word, is humility, I think, is to... Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's to be aware that you don't have all the answers. You know, you don't know everything. Um, and it's having that humility of, 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 well, yeah, you know, other people also have, you know, that collective, tapping to the collective wisdom of things. And... Um, you know, it is a journey of growth and growth doesn't happen, you know, within your own bubble, but being, having the interactions with other people that share similar values, right. Or, um, people that has the wisdom and, 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 and again, it's, it's cultivating your, your spirit of, of discernment, you know, discerning what is true for you, uh, what would work for you, um, based on your value uh, system or your belief system. Um, so no, absolutely. I think, um, like every single individual, we all have blind spots and it's, and it's so easy to get caught in, you know, um, this is my way I'm going to do it this way. And, and that's it. But, uh, yeah, humility is something that actually helps to keep yourself grounded. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's this whole thing of, uh, being a learner, you know, every day, how do you approach things from a learner's perspective? And there's mm. always something to learn about in a conversation, from a person's experience, uh, from their life. And and yeah, and it's thought-provoking. That is well said. Let's transition into talking about freedom. And I know you can't really separate them. But when you say freedom or you employ that in your work and in your life what does it mean so share with us what freedom means to you it's um i mean i guess the the definition will evolve as i evolve as a person (laughs) but at this moment freedom is really you know that quote i think from uh, maya angelou you only are free when you realize you belong no place you belong every place and no place at all when I think about that quote, what comes up to my mind is the concept of belonging and that can only be found inside of you. So really freedom is that internal mindset or that internal belief, you know, that, um, yeah, that you, you belong to a place that is unique to, to yourself. Um, and so it, 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 it's the only thing that no one can take away from you really, you know, um 
And what also comes up is the freedom of thought. Um, that's also something that no one else can take away from you. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think freedom is definitely something that is internal. Um, and, and, and again, that that's a value that I really hold so strongly in my life. Um, whether it's freedom of thought, freedom of speech, um, um, yeah, we, we, we are made to be free, you know? And I think a lot of the time we put ourselves in, in, um, invisible cages um, by yeah what media feeds us what society dictates what our culture expects of us as well so I think a lot of my I mean my journey has really been to deconstruct all of that unlearn all of that and redefine uh, what freedom means to me mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting because uh, it freedom is powerful it is a powerful force every individual can express that or at least has the potential to express that but I feel like freedom talking about freedom is also super complex because Mm -hmm. you can go down so many roads with okay if you believe you're free how does that influence your decisions and your actions and um, do we all have our own personal metrics for uh, defining freedom? And what is what is free? How do I express my own freedom in a way that is um, good for me, good for my neighbor, good for the world? And do we all have the ability and the capacity to do that, that my freedom doesn't just mean that I feel like going to sit in the middle of the road right now. So I'm going to do that. And of Mm -hmm. course that's a, that's maybe an extreme example, but it's true. It it is an act of freedom and you could say that's stupid, but you're exercising your freedom. Uh, So how do I get to a place as an individual where my belief or understanding or conviction that I am creative and free, I cultivate a type of lifestyle that helps me, that that helps ensure that when I exercise that freedom and that belief that it's good for me, it's good for my community and it's good for the rest of the mm-hmm. world. And I think that that's such a, an important consideration to hold when we are talking about freedom and talking about uh, the importance of exercising it. But what do you think about what I just said? Do you agree with that or not? Or like, I don't I do. know, maybe you I have another, <laughs> another opinion to that because I love freedom, but I can also see just yeah. in culture and working with people and even in my own life that sometimes what I want and what I think is good, perhaps it's it, it doesn't mean that I just do it because I'm free to. Um, I'm free to and I could, but to hold that freedom almost as a gift that I need to steward and that it's not just meant mm-hmm. for me, it's meant yeah. for the world. Uh, and and I, I, I find talking about freedom to be quite layered as opposed to straightforward. <laughs> What a beautiful, uh, you know, nugget of wisdom that you just shared. I, it's definitely more complex than we think it is. And you're right, is, is you know, up to what point do we exercise our own freedom, right? To 
and and every i think every decision that we make or everything that we say or do ultimately has an impact um however big or small um and and i and i like when you talked about you know um something for the world um we all have that need to yeah to contribute to give back um and you know to help to make an impact so it's um yeah and 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 on the flip side what comes to mind is you know in the name of freedom there's been you know horrible things that's been done in the name of freedom too right so it's it's um yeah it's it's again the whole idea of how do you bring wisdom and discernment into every decision that you make knowing that it will impact you and impact the people around you and you know to a large extent the world mm, yeah i love that let's talk about perseverance for a moment so i've been thinking a lot about second wind wondering how i have personally very little or minimum experience of that reality in my life i, I think i know the answer why and i I also would make an assumption that it's not just me. There are lots of us that just do not have the capacity or the ability yet to live a type of life or run a type of race, speaking figuratively, that allows us or allows us the opportunity to experience second wind. Uh, and I think second wind is very linked to your ability to persevere and to stay on a course where you could suffer, you could experience pain, and you could experience um, uncomfortability. And so, but at the same time, knowing that, I also know that there are some races and some journeys that you shouldn't be on because that will be stupid or deadly or, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't keep persevering in all decisions and all seasons. And so I hold that as a tension right now, but wanting to, to hear a little bit of your thoughts on perseverance and the value of that. And even with your work with people, how do you help people gain perspective? Um, first of all, to discern, I love that you use that word, by the way, to discern what journey or what race I'm on. How do I do that? And secondly, why should I then choose to persevere through the pain and the suffering and the discomfort? Mm. Wow. You're good at asking powerful questions. That <laughs> <laughs> makes me think a lot. What, what the first thing Thank that comes you. to mind is, yeah, is, is, you know, the fact that you said, um, you know, to be on your own race, right? So that reminds me of, yeah, stay on your lane. And how do you know that it's your lane? It's for me, it all again boils down to, you know, that belief system and knowing your purpose, knowing your North star, knowing your why, you know, uncovering that why the whole um, Simon Sinek, you know, thing about, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you stand for a conviction, a belief. And one of my favorite quotes of all time that I try to, live by is by Nietzsche, you know, that says he who has a why can bear anyhow. And, and I remember as I was starting to develop my coaching practice, 
um, you know, th- th- there has been days where I just want to drop everything, you know, um, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I just remember that day I, I went home and I found a beautiful bouquet on the table with a note, you know, uh, that said, um, thanks for being the spark that ignited mine. And it was actually from a client that I journeyed with for six months. Um, I literally broke down in tears because it's it just a reminder of uh, this is why I do what I do. This is what I was made for. So remember why you've started in the first place. It's so key. And the other thing that comes up for me is, is you know, it's it's go at your own pace, right? It's, it's go at your own pace. Um, take a break if you need to. Yeah. Um, if you need to, you know, have a cup of water and you're tired and it's okay. It's okay to be tired. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's more like a marathon, right. Versus a race. Um, and that's mm. how you're going to keep going. It's that energy that keeps going, keeps you going when things get tough um, and how to push through the challenges, you know, when it arises. So again, focusing on the bigger agenda on your purpose, on your why uh, remembering why you've started in the first place. And one thing that really helps for me is reflecting on uh, moments of celebration, you know, re- to be, um, to be, um, to be grounded in the gift of, um, uh, to be grateful, you know, for things that did go well. Mm. Um, and these little moments that, that may seem small, but that, that gives so much hope and so much, um, um, energy you know to keep yourself going so yeah definitely go at your own pace um exercise gratitude on a daily basis and and keep the bigger agenda in mind you know keep your keep your why um big and visible so that you know so that the i guess the race or the marathon um the marathon um can be an an enjoyable process Mm, that's powerfully said I love that thought of uh, celebrating and taking your time to navigate your race, your journey, your lane. And perhaps the key to doing that is having a conviction and a clarity that you should be on your lane or the lane that you're on, or you should be on a certain journey or race. Um, I love that. How do we find what journey or race we should be on? That is a profound question. Um, what I guess is helpful is um, I'm not sure whether um, I think people are, are, are the, with the concept of ikigai. I guess that would be a, a, a perspective. It's a Japanese too. concept. Yes. Isn't it? I heard about yes. it for the first time last year. I was just very interesting. Yes. But tell us more. What is ikigai? Yeah. So ikigai is a it's a combination of um, I guess it's it's the intersect between uh, these four things. Um, it's you know what you love to do, what the world needs what you can be paid for and what you're good at. Mm. So it's a combination be, or the intersect between passion, mission, profession, and vocation. And, and that's why, I mean, again, coaching is such a powerful tool that would actually help you to identify that because it is a process of discovery. And so it's, it's, 
you know, no one wakes up and be like, oh, I found my passion. I found my mission, right? It's, it's, it's actually, you start to take steps to get to a place where you start to realize, oh my goodness, I never knew that existed in me, or I never knew that I was, I loved this particular thing, you know? And so a lot of the times we, um, and even creativity, like I was mentioning, it, it was, it was, it was a, something that I suppressed growing up. And so I never knew that I was actually, that I actually enjoyed to, you know, creating. Um, so yeah, it, it, one, one place to start looking for your lane, like we were saying is, is unpacking, um, that concept of, of Ikigai for yourself. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely curious about digging deeper into it. I, I don't even remember where I came across it, but I thought that it was very interesting because I think mm-hmm. the, the the four combination, there, there's something about what you love uh, to do, what you're good at, what you get paid for. Yes. Um, and I, I think that in most conversations around creativity, around doing what you love and, you, and exploring your passions and making them happen, that whole what you getting paid for something is missing. The whole how do you make a living? How do you fund your life? How, you know, does the economics of your life um, work? I think that it's mostly missing. That's why you have conversations with artists or creatives. Um, they're always like, well, I should get a job that would pay the bills as opposed to what I really love to do. And I think that the, the thing that e- the idea of Ikigai, I hope I'm not butchering that pronunciation, um, adds to the conversation is that actually that's also important. And it's not something you just take care of as like this random necessity of life it's actually that hey you can incorporate it as you look at as you get on the journey of finding your why or your lane or your journey Mm -hmm. so thanks for sharing that um that's beautiful I was uh wondering because I mean you shared different you shared the story about uh going from you know a different climate and lifestyle in Paris to Iraq uh, and having that experience of, well, what more is there to life? Do you have uh, any other transition or waiting or known uh, season or experience stories you could share with us? Because I think the important thing um, that I would love for people to reflect on is liminal spaces are not a one-time event. And, and they're, they're seasons and experiences that always show up in life. We always come in contact with the unknown. We always experience transition. Actually, we should welcome. So I was just curious if you had a story um, that you would like to share with us about an, an experience that uh, would perhaps illustrate liminal space and how you navigated it um, and how it's shaped your current reality so good (laughs) it's a great question I mean maybe I can share something that is um that I'm journeying through currently that is recent um and absolutely you're right liminal spaces happen all the time and you get better at it right it's it's something yes. that you embrace the first time can be quite shaky and you just you know so appalled but as 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 you actually, embrace it yeah mm-hmm. I would I would 
dare to interrupt you because I think that that's exactly right. And that's partly the purpose of this podcast is that you can get better at navigating and engaging with liminal spaces, even if they're unknown, even if most of the time we have zero control over when they happen, we can cultivate a type of character or life that engages differently in a better way with the unknown and liminal spaces. So I love how you mentioned that. Um, and I think it's so crucial that I dare to interrupt you, but please carry on. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. And, and um, I think it goes back to, okay, maybe I should clarify of an example. Um, I, I have just started my uh, leadership coaching business and, <laughs> and I don't want to make any been... noise, but I'm very excited. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, it hasn't been an easy decision. It's almost, um, you know, liminal space happens. It's almost like you've been pushed into it. You know what I mean? It's, there's that idea of, of either being pushed into it or being pulled into it. There's that force that you can't really control. And so, and, and like I was saying, you know, it's, it's, there will be moments or events in your life that will happen. And I mean, COVID, right. That was, that threw the whole world into a liminal space really. And so, um, and so I, yeah, for, for my leadership coaching business, it's, um, it's, it's a new adventure. Um, and I was kind of being pushed into it in the sense that, or there was a pull, there's always a push pull, um, effect. Um, I've, for me, it's, it's, I've always wanted to do something of my own, um, you know, and, and, and create something of my own. And so, um, even though I had no idea what it's going to look like, but again, is having that trust, right. Trusting God or, um, the universe, however you want to call it, but trusting that higher being trusting that, yeah, that, that you are here for a specific purpose. And I always go back to that. It's identifying what, what are you made of? Like, what's your original design, and understanding that you're here not just to live for yourself, but for to serve others. And so having that trust, it's so key. You know, that's that's how I navigate liminal space. And um, and again, it's nurturing that trust, like just like creativity, right? These things are so intangible and yet they are so real once you start to tap into them. You just know. Um and and yeah, and as I develop my leadership coaching business, it's having one conversation at a time to be open, you know, to things that come my way. And um and one thing will lead to another. And by the time you know it, you know, you 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 start to create something that is organically um that you've created, which which it's so rewarding. And 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 there was no um control quote-unquote per se of the process you just you just trust you know that things will um turn out as as they should really you know Mm -hmm. and so there is again that um that weight that has been lifted there's that freedom when you actually just, just surrender to the process um not to say of course that you shouldn't plan or you shouldn't um kind of um put a timeline to things and you know live a life of like a hippie life or a monk, you know, like that's not what I'm trying to say, but it's. Yeah. But I think that you're hitting on something key because I think 
Control, I love words and I can get obsessive over them, but control, as you might have already noticed uh, in our conversations, but <laughs> control is also one of those words that I I wish we could go back to its origins and have a more robust understanding of what the word means because uh, control doesn't mean... Um, that you let go of everything, right? Like I don't have any mm. control over anything. And you can go through, uh, you can approach the idea or the word control from a uh, unhelpful perspective, which is that I don't, everything I do doesn't matter because ultimately I don't control every anything. Um, or you could have a more realistic and truthful idea of control and perspective, which is that, there are some things that you can um, control because there you have a choice and you have the freedom to to decide things. But at the same time, other people who shared this world with you have the same reality, and because of that, you cannot um, determine the outcome of everything. And I think that that is a helpful perspective to have. Because then mm-hmm. when I encounter liminal space, it could be, and I think 70% of liminal spaces, and I just made up that percentage, I should look up more <laughs> facts, but I think most, I should say that most liminal spaces are not intentional. Even if you could mm-hmm. approach, even if you could enter into a liminal space intentionally, most of them are not intentional, which means they're outside of the things that you determined to happen, outside of your control, so to speak. Um, but you have control over how you engage with the experience and the season, and you have control over how you uh, behave, what kinds of decisions you make, and ultimately your future. Because what you do in a liminal space has a huge influence on your future because the future isn't a, an idea or concept yes. detached from reality. It's like every decision I make today, I am co-creating my future with that decision, right? So I love that that you talked yes. about that yes. because it's absolutely essential to also willingly say, I do not approach life because I want, <laughs> and this is me talking, so I'm partly laughing at myself, <laughs> because I want to determine the outcome. Because I love that. I'm like, if I take actions, I want to know, you know, at least four possible outcomes. But to willingly let that go, uh, but at the same time, not do that from an attitude of, oh, whatever happens, happens, right? And so I think it's that tension yeah. of how to, well, first of all, gain understanding of what control is, what is what responsibility means, um, and how I want to embody that in my own life. And then choosing to say, hey, I don't have to determine or be obsessive over the results or the outcome of my choices and decisions. I feel like that would be a, a helpful way, tension to hold. And it's, and it's you know, what, what you're saying is, is I think the, the learning is how do you detach yourself from the outcome, right? Ultimately is that, is mm-hmm. being detached from that. And so- That's well said. 
Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is something that I again that tension that I'm trying to hold. Um, not easy, obviously, because you know you you try to work towards something and yet you got to be detached from the outcome, what it should look like. And actually, sometimes it comes out a hundredfold, so much more than what you expected in a good way. So it's it's yeah, it's it's almost like let yourself be surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much. I feel very uh, mentally stimulated and just really enjoying the conversation so far. I think it's it's very cool. And uh, there's a certain um, ease is the word I'm looking for that comes with chatting with you about this. And uh, I have uh, I have very random questions I'd like to ask mm-hmm. you. My first question is, what's the favorite thing you own and why do you own that thing oh I like that what's my favorite thing to own it's a beautiful question the the first thing that comes to mind is a box where I put in um either cards handwritten cards um a couple of handwritten letters um and actually a gift for my 20th birthday, sounds like eternity ago. Um, <laughs> it was a, a song that a friend wrote for my birthday um, and a handwritten one. So I've realized how, you know, I just love uh, when I guess people take the time to write personal notes. For me, mm-hmm. these are priceless, you know, the, and, and it reminds me of these little moments and it reminds me of the relationship that I have with these people. Um, and yeah, and it's, I've been accumulating like Christmas cards from back in um, my middle school time. <laughs> and they're still there. And whenever I open them and I, and I read, you know, the handwriting in there um, and, the, and the name that, that signed off the card, it just brings me back to, you know, amazing memories from the past. So mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, treasuring, I guess, the relationships. Um, yeah. What are you freakishly good at? Oh, I think, okay, it's going to evolve around coaching because this is what I'm (laughs) passionate about. (laughs) It's, uh, I just love to go into deep conversations. Mm. I love, I I do that so naturally and, and that can piss people off, you know, because not everyone likes to be in deep conversation all the time. It just takes so much energy from me. But that's what gives me so much energy. You know, I, 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 I get to, yeah, I, my eye starts to spark. You know, I have so many questions and, and there's a level of energy that just spikes up, you know, whenever we, 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 we go deep, um, whenever, I guess, people just um, open their hearts. And, uh, and, and, and that's when connection happens, mm. you know. Um, um, so, yeah, it's... Um, does that answer your question? I don't know if that yes, answers your question. Yes, absolutely. It, it does answer my question. Thank you. What about you? I'm curious now. How are oh, you? Oh, yeah. That? Oh, my gosh. I uh, Some of these questions, yeah, I have guests ask me back, and I'm like, I should have thought about that. <laughs> uh, I think I'm freakishly good at telling people exactly what I think. Uh-huh. And and I feel like I, I don't do it 100%. There are times when I choose to stay silent or um, reconstruct 
what I want to say in a way that isn't straightforward. But if you know me well, you know that I speak what I think as closely to what I think as possible. Which, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, sometimes it's it's a challenge because sometimes, well, a lot of people don't appreciate that. Um, a lot of people grew up in cultures anti that so you kind of find your way around mm-hmm. saying things I grew up in such a culture uh, it's not something I think it developed initially as a natural gift a thing but as I've lived life I have decided that that's something I want to cultivate I have to say though yeah. that I am still learning how to be more habitually kind and um edifying in the way that I communicate what I want to want to but because sometimes it communicating the raw form of what I want to communicate isn't helpful or edifying (laughs) or kind so (laughs) I'm still trying to learn that part but I think by default I do people often are surprised by that but that would be what I would choose to to say that I'm freakishly good at being honest with my words always and I absolutely <laughs> love that about you no I mean again you know I, for me I absolutely love that about you and that's why you know we get to work together and our we hit it off you know and I think it's um I think that's beautiful that you step into your power right that is a power that is one of your powers and so it's how do you how do you like you said how you nurture that how do you channel that power and ultimately it will bring people that will appreciate that you know and I always say you cannot please everyone you know oh it's yeah true, true, um, true and so story. yeah and, and it's how do you build your true story <laughs> and it's it's how do you build your tribe around that you know and so yeah if you had uh, the world's attention for 30 seconds or a minute what would you say okay I'm gonna quote someone <laughs> I'm going to borrow a quote um, from Margaret Young, who used to say, often people attempt to live their lives backward. They try to have more things or more money in order to do more of what they want so they will be happier. The way it actually works is the reverse. You must be who you really are. Then do what you need to do in order to have what you want. And for me that just encompasses everything that I believe in and that I do in through coaching is really start to get to know yourself, look inwards, get in touch with who you are Um, because everything that you'll do or say uh, will flow from that, the how and the what will come from the who. Um, And the more you get to know yourself, the easier it will be to make decisions because you have, you know, like I was saying, you're in a compass that guides you. It gives you, um yeah that 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 um that alignment you know and and so um give yourself permission to be a beginner start with where you're at right now start with what you have from where you are and uh and start to go on this you know this journey of of um discovering um who you're meant to be that is so powerful and beautifully put. I'm not even going to make any comments about that because I don't want to like touch it in 
uh, saturate it. But yeah, that's that's very powerful. Subin, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend this time together with you. I love your thoughts. I love your energy. Uh, I love your outlook on life. And I am enriched by this conversation. I'm looking forward to going back and listening uh, to the conversation. It's given me a lot of things to think about. It's it's just been a real blessing to sit and chat with you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, I mean, for the privilege, you know, to share that space with you. Thank you for... Um, Oh, for, for your thought-provoking questions. I mean, girl, you are an absolute uh, expert, you know, at, at digging, <laughs> digging deep into people's thoughts. So thank you for, yeah, for, for allowing that space. And uh, obviously, I, I learned so much about our conversation and I hope that it will, yeah, trigger thought as well, you know, for, for the audience. So thank you.